Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. Wow, a lot of great events going on, starting a new decade, new year. Isn't that awesome? Uh, this is my seventh decade. Wow. You know, some of you uh, on your eight, your nine decade, isn't that amazing? Still going. Uh, you guys, in case I haven't told you lately, I just want you to know that I love you. Uh, you guys just make my day. We get to hang out together. In fact, look around the person on your left and right and tell them, hey, I love you. You look good today. Uh, you, it's a good way to good start. Way to good start. You got... You got perfect church attendance already. Wow, isn't that amazing? Well, if you have your Bible, your iPad, your iPhone, your eyeballs, whatever you use with your Bible, let's make this confession together, shall we? This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today I receive the Word. I confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient. And I will never be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Father, wow, your presence is so real, so awesome, so mighty today. Thank you. Thank you for loving us and caring for us. Thank you for allowing us the beginning of a new decade. Thank you, God, that we're not fearful, but we are um, patiently putting our trust in you. So, Lord, I pray today as we open the word that you would speak to us. Lord, use me. Help me to say the things you want me to say and not say the things I shouldn't say. Holy Spirit, anoint me because <clears throat> you can do what I can't do. Draw people to Christ in your name. Amen. Hey, let me just say <clears throat> a couple of things. First of all, uh, because in light of so many things happening and some of the recent shootings and stuff, I just want to r- remind you again that we have a security team that is setting in and among you all around here. But... Um, We've decided to take this one step farther. Pastor Ben and his team are well-trained in a lot of areas. But beginning of next week, every Sunday, we'll have, excuse me, we'll have a uniformed police officer on campus here at the Father's House uh, for your safety, for our kids' safety. And uh, we just, uh, we want to be proactive. I never want to get to the place that we say, oh, I wish we had Hobbs. In this time, people are crazy, but God is awesome, and you're not crazy, and we're glad you're here today, right? Amen. Well, it's 2020. Everybody's making New Year's resolutions. At the top of New Year's resolutions every year, here's some of the top ones. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to read the Bible, be better with money, quit smoking. Not me, but that's what everybody says. Spend more time with the kids. But the problem is, according to U.S. News, 80% of all resolutions are broken by the second week of February. Wow. And we've spent all that time. And then we get depressed because we started, oh, this is another year. And so it's according to what lie or the truth you're listening to. You can listen to the lie of the enemy that says this year is going to be like every other year. Or you can listen to the truth of the Lord that would simply say, let me pull down that lie. With me, every year gets better and better and better and better. If you believe that today, give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. But what if I could tell you today one thing that you can do at the beginning of this year that would change everything? 
No matter how many times you've started and stopped something or you've looked at how that you could make a difference, would you be interested if I could tell you one simple thing that you could do that would assure that you're going to get the results that you need? Would you be interested in that? One, one, one simple thing that everybody can do that would help us to get the results that we want and the change in our life that we would desire. But before I do that, I have to ask, what's your motivation? As we move into this time of 21 days of fasting, as we move into this time of seeking God, as we move into this new series this month on Make a Difference, why do you want to make a difference? Uh, Why do you want to do the 21-day fast? People say, well, I want to lose weight. Well, that shouldn't be your basic motivation. The basic motivation is I want to be obedient to the Lord. Jesus said, uh, when you fast. So he took it for granted that we would fast. Fasting is a way for me to deny myself of things that I think are a necessity, and I replace the Lord into that place. Uh, If you weren't here uh, uh, last Sunday, Pastor Tim did an awesome job. We have more of the brochures for such a time as this that talks about our fast. Uh, They're out there in the foyer. You can also go on our website, and you can learn more about those. But what's your motivation? I read the story this week about a a smart-aleck young cowboy that rode into a town and he saw an old man riding a mule. And he pulled out his six-gun and he said, Old man, get off that mule. And he asked the question, Have you ever danced? And the old man just looked at him. And so the young smart aleck took his six-shooter out and he began shooting at the feet of the old man and made him to dance. Well, after he ended out the six bullets that he had, the old man wiped his brow from the sweat, reached into his bag near the old mule, and he pulled out a 12-gauge double shotgun pointed at the young man and said, you ever kissed a mule? (laughs) And the young man said, I've always wanted to do that. I always wanted to do that. So that was some motivation, right, when you're looking down uh, a double-barrel shotgun. But what's your motivation? Motivation is what causes us to take action. So what's your motivation? Is it uh, fear of punishment? Sometimes it's a fear of punishment or pain. And we, we do something, you know, that we can't loosen our belt up anymore because we've gained so much weight. So it's the fear of, I can't afford new clothes, that we say, I'm going to have to do something about my eating. Or maybe it's you've been treating your wife or your kids bad, or they've been treating you bad or whatever. And we say, you know, unless we're going to, I can see a divorce coming unless I change. And it's that fear of punishment or that fear of pain. Sometimes the motivation is the hope of a reward. Maybe I'll fit in those clothes I bought five years ago and promised myself I'd get into them. Or maybe it's uh, a desire to please somebody. Or it just simply says, I'm going to take responsibility for my life. But I believe all of those may in and themselves be motivation. But I'd like for us to say my best motivation, my greatest motivation, would be to fulfill my purpose and make a difference with my life. Wouldn't you like to make a difference with your life? Make a difference with your life. The greatest motivation is to fulfill my purpose. Read it with me, all right? The greatest motivation is to fulfill my purpose and make a difference with my life. But I can't make a difference if there isn't a difference in me. I mean, that's, that's, just, that's just really simple, is it? Unless I change what's in me. Uh, in your notes there, our verse that we want to look at today And if you'll read it with me, Ephesians 2 and 10, let's read it together. God has created us for a life of good deeds. Just stop there. Do you believe that? 
God has created you for a life of good deeds. Good deeds, good deeds, good deeds. You know, one act can change a life. God has created us, read it with me, for a life of good deeds, which he has already prepared for us to do. In other words, God already has my 2020 planned out. I just need to find out what he wants to do and cooperate with him in that because that's going to help me to make a difference with my life. So let me give you this one thing. If you're taking notes, it's the next fill-in that we have. This one thing. It's so simple, but yet it's so significant for us to do. Here's the one thing that can guarantee us that we can see change in our life. The one thing. Here it is. It's authentic. The small things done faithfully that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. It's often the small things done faithfully that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. You walk up to somebody in the gym or somebody that you've known and it looks like all of a sudden they've gotten good shape and, you know, and, they're, and they're, their countenance is great and you, you look at them and say, man, I'd like to look like that. I'd, I'd, like, to, I'd like to be like that. What, what, what do I have to do to, to, to get that? You know, what, what pill did you have? How did you do that? Well, it's just I did the small things faithfully every day. I woke up. I came to the gym. I ate right. I did what was right. And this has changed. But what do we want? We want the end result without doing the thing. We think, oh, I want to be a super-duper Christian. So, you know, give me a pill. Let me go to a crusade. Lay hands on me. Do something. Speak in tongues over me so that I can be a super-duper Christian. And so we look at somebody and say, you know, you look like you're a... You're, I, just, I just envy the relationship you have with God. How did you get that? What book did you read? And the majority of times people will say, well... I've just been doing the same things over and over for years. I pray, I read my Bible, I'm obedient to God, I attend church, I serve God. No, we, we want the superhero thing without doing what will get us there. But here it is again. This is the key. It's often the small things done faithfully that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. John Wooden, a UCLA coach, who took that team to nine NCAA titles, second seven consecutive titles between 67 and 73, probably one of the greatest basketball coaches who ever lived, when he would bring his young team in for the first practice, they wouldn't practice dribbling, they wouldn't practice free throw shots, they wouldn't practice any of those. Here's the first thing that he would teach them when they came to their first practice. Gentlemen, sit down. Let me show you how to put your socks on. Let me show you how to put your shoes on and tie them up so that you don't get blisters. Here on our team, as we come together, it's the small things that many people overlook that will bring you to the full. You see, you can. I remember the first half marathon that I ran in Nashville several years ago. Uh, I was a rookie. And uh, I had what I thought were the proper socks and the proper shoes, but I, I didn't put on the shoes right. I didn't lace them up tight. And about three-fourths through the, uh, 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 the miles of the half marathon, I had blisters. And it was horrible at the end of it. My feet looked horrible. But you see, it's, it's hard if you don't do the small things to make it to the end. And so Coach Wooden said, 
This is how we start. This is what we do. In fact, he's famous for making this quote in your notes. It's the little things that are vital. Little things make big things happen. Isn't that a great quote? Uh, all my life I've struggled, and I shared this with you, all my life I've struggled with my weight. All my life. Uh, I try to eat right. Sometimes I do good. Sometimes I don't do good. I try to exercise. Uh, I try to work out with Al, my trainer. And, and, and Al will laugh at me sometimes because I'll come to Al and I'll say, hey, have you seen this new app? Have you seen this new pill, this new supplement? Have you seen this new program that's guaranteed to give you quick results in just a little while? And he'll smile and he'll look at me and he'll say, it won't last for the long haul. How many times do I have to tell you that what you have to do is you have to log your food daily. You have to weigh yourself. You have to balance all of those things. You have to exercise. And that's the only thing that's going to give you the end result of what you're looking for. But we want the big thing, right? Even with this 21-day fast, if you're not careful, you say, oh, this is it. This is the magic bullet. This year, I will do this 21-day fast at whatever level you're going to do. And, 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 and this will change everything. But it's not going to change everything at the end of the 21 days if you go back to what you were doing and how you were doing before then. You see what I'm saying? I mean, I'm with you. I want the one big thing, but it will not happen. We've got to realize that we're just going to keep chasing ourselves around and around in circles till we get back to this place, the little things that make the difference that we continue to do those things. I mean, look at racing car teams. Uh, they have a great pit crew. When the pit, when the car comes in, they change the wheel, the tires real quick, and they change the put fuel in, and they make slight adjustments. They don't rebuild the block during that time. It's a slight adjustment. And uh, piano tuners, they don't rebuild your piano, but they make slight adjustments to bring it back to its original sound, the optimal notes. Uh, we get periodic updates on our computer, right? That it will change something. It doesn't redo the hard drive. It's just little significant small things that bring the greatest results so in this month here's what we're going to be looking at I'm going to talk to us about small things that are so insignificant that if we're not careful we'd overlook them here's what we're going to look at in this month that your word your thoughts become your words your thoughts become your words and your words become your actions and your actions become your habits and your habits become your character and your character makes the difference that helps you make a difference so let's look at that again your thoughts become my words How, where do my words come from my words come from the thoughts that are rolling around in my mind I mean you'd be surprised some of the thoughts that are rolling in my mind some of the words that don't come out you'll be thankful that that doesn't happen but my words do not start on their own my words don't just I'm gonna take over right now and I'm gonna do that no my words come <laughs> I think sometimes my words do that they bypass my brain but my thoughts become my words and then my words become my actions and then my actions become my habits and then my habits become my character who I am and then my character makes a difference and that helps you make a difference so next week I'm gonna talk about our thoughts because the Bible says as a man thinks in his heart so is he the next week I'm gonna talk about our words the Bible says that 
uh, our words that we speak, the power of life and death in our words. And then the last week of this month, I'm going to talk about our habits because we become what we repeatedly do. It's the small things, small things. And it starts with the one thing, the one thing. So number one, here's what I'd like for us to realize. To make a difference with our life, number one, we have to be faithful in the little things. Faithful in the little things. The little things that nobody sees. The little things that may seem so insignificant, but we're faithful in those. The Bible says, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little, and I'll set you over much. Enter the joy of your master. You've been faithful over the, over the little. It's like when I sign up to serve, I'm faithful to show up and show up on time. And nobody may see that. Nobody may see how that you set up the cones or you rock a baby or you change a diaper or, or you push a button with a sound. Nobody may never see that. But all of that makes all of the things that we're doing possible. So it's being faithful over the little things. People say, well, how can I have a great marriage? I, I want to have a great marriage. I think, we should have a, I think we should have a day in which that we just teach people how to, how to have a great marriage. Let me tell you how to have a great marriage. Would you like to know how to have a great marriage? Take at least 30 seconds a day and pray with your spouse. It's amazing how many times people come from marital counseling and I'll say, do you guys pray together? No. Okay, let me tell you what to do. Change your marriage. It doesn't have to be long, 30 seconds. You join hands and you pray one for another. And then you look at each other in the eyes and say, I love you. I love you. I love you. You say, well, that, don't you have anything bigger? Get, you know, give me, give me like the, the big thing, the big thing. No, it's the, it's the faithful things. It's the times after Anita and I have had a disagreement. <laughs> and it's time to go to bed. And I'll roll over, hoping that she thinks I'm asleep, because I always go to bed a little earlier than she does. Uh, and she'll come in and she'll say, what'd you say? Excuse me, what'd you say? I didn't say nothing. What are you supposed to say? I love you. And I'll kiss you. And, and that, that's it simple things you say well do you really feel like you love love has nothing to do with feelings love is a commitment and love is a commitment love is a commitment some of you haven't told your spouse that you love them in so long some of you haven't prayed together i'm telling you it's the little things it's it's the little things done over the long time that makes a difference in our life number two remember your progress is determined by the process Remember, your progress is determined by the process. There's a process, and, and there are things that, that, we, that we need to do. And not everyone goes through the process at the same time. You may look at somebody and you say, well, you know, I never saw them being, like, faithful with their tithe or faithful to something else, and uh, look how they're living. Look what they're doing. But you've seen it as well as I do. You've seen people that are like overnight success, as we call overnight success, especially in the Christian world. 
somebody gets saved from drugs or, uh, you know, killing somebody or whatever, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're on the cover of the magazine, and all of a sudden, they're the number one person that everybody wants to come and speak, and, and then after a couple of years, or sometimes after months, you see the, the splash of the headlines, a moral failure, uh, some sort of critical failure. You know why? Because they never went through the process. They wanted the end result without going through the process. Some of you are on your way for your life making a difference like never before. You know why? Because you've submitted and humbled yourself to the process that God is putting you through to bring you to the place that he's going to use you like you've never seen before. So I encourage you today. And you may say, well, this person's getting that and this person's getting that and it's not happened to me. But yet as you submit, listen, we're not all move at the same progress but it's a process that we surrender to him aren't you glad he's got a program for your life why don't you give him a hand clap and say yay god some of you will go to growth track which everybody should go to the growth track on the first second third fourth sundays of every month in this particular service going on right now and somebody will tell you the father's house began 24 years ago but the father's house really didn't begin 24 years ago the Father's house began a long time before that. The Father's house actually started when I was about 12 years old. And when I'd go mow yard, get two bucks for mowing the yard, and I would bring 20 cents because the tithe would be 20 cents or $2. I'd bring that 20 cents and I'd come to church, put it in an envelope, and when the offering came by, I'd put that in. The Father's house started then. The Father's house started not with me being faithful over something that's big, but being faithful over something that's small and insignificant that other people would see. The Father's House started when I would uh, volunteer for whatever I needed to do in that little country church. I was a, I was a janitor. I, I was, uh, now this will make you nervous, Andrea. You know, she talked about the big things coming in February. It could be that Pastor Ben and I are going to lead worship. Yeah, I was afraid that's the same reaction that I got in the first service, Pastor Ben. I think people know that. But you're looking at a song leader. The little country church I was at, I was a song leader. Page 300 is We Shall See the King. Page 18, Looking for a City. I, I could roll them off to you. Now, we didn't have like full band like this. We had one of those old stand-up pianers. You know what a piano is? Old-fashioned, you know, honky-tonk piano-looking thing standing up. And on Wednesday nights, our crowd would be small in the little country church that I was at. And here, here would be Wednesday night. Y'all come on up. Let's stand around the piano here and let's worship God. Terry's going to lead us in songs. Now, I never did this thing because I don't have enough balance to stay on the bosu ball without falling off. But I'd tell people where it is and my mom would take off playing and we'd all sing. I was a song leader. Father's house started because I was a song leader. Father's house started that through the years, when I had setbacks and failures, I didn't give up, but I just kept. The Father's house started when I made big mistakes in my life and failed, but I'd get back up. Though a righteous man falls seven times, he gets up and he goes again. I'm telling you, what's going on in your life right now is so phenomenal when you realize that you're in process for your life making the biggest difference ever. Here's what, Jesus, here's what the Bible said when God was talking about Israel going into the promised land. It's there in your notes, Deuteronomy. You shall not be terrified of them, for the Lord your God, the great and awesome God, is among you. 
And the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. How? How? I mean, wouldn't you say, presto, change, oh, big bullet, do it, God. But he said, no. I'm going to do it little by little. Because if I did it too quick, you wouldn't be able to handle the end result. You see, what God is putting you through right now, he's getting you ready so that when he brings you to that complete destiny, you've already proven yourself that you're faithful in those small, insignificant things over a long amount of time, and he can trust you with his blessings. So here's the process. Here's your assignment for next week. Assignment for next week. Very simple, very doable. I don't want you to write out a New Year's resolution, but here's what I want you to do. I want, you to be, I want you to understand. I want you to pray and ask God for one specific word that will define and direct the year 2020. I want you to ask God, what is one specific word that I want in my life that, that you're speaking to me that I need in my life <clears throat> that will direct 2020? The reason resolutions seldom work is because they're based on the type of person that we're tired of being rather than based on the person that God wants us to be. So I'm saying you come up with one word that God would say, this is the one word that I want you to work on in this season of your life in 2020. One word. You see, what happens when you have that one word you're moving toward the future instead of swearing off the past. So what's that one word? And I'll give you some examples here in a minute. And then after you find that one word, not a bunch of words, one word. For some of you, that's going to be harder than me saying, give me 20 words. But that's why I'm saying you need one thing that you're going to focus on in 2020. One thing to focus on that God wants you to focus on so you can make a difference. And then after that, I want you to find a scripture verse to go with that. Put a verse to it, because it's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So, for instance, let me, let me, I'll, I'll give you the one word for the Father's house for 2020. And it's the word vision. The word vision. Now, back in November when I started praying and saying, God, what's last year the word that we used was uh, realignment. We wanted to realign some things strategically in the Father's house, and we worked on that. And, and this year, the word that came to me was vision. And I thought... No, that's not good enough. It, that's everybody, 2020 vision. Everybody and everybody's, everybody's going to think about that. I want something deep. I, I want something cutesy. I want something revelatory, something different than, 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 than normal. So come on, God, what is it? And I'd pray and look, and, and like the Lord just kept bringing me back to his vision. And then all of a sudden I felt like the Lord said, why are you trying to make it hard? Why are you trying? It's about vision. You see, the year 2020 in the Hebrew calendar is the year 5780, which means open your mouth in wisdom and declare the vision. It's about open your mouth and declare the vision. Uh, and the scripture verses, Psalm 81 and 10 from the Passion says, I am your only God, the living God. Open your mouth with a mighty decree. I will fulfill it now. The words that you speak, so shall it be. So I thought, okay, all right. All right, so that'll be it. So, I got a little gift for you. When you leave today at each of the exits, some of the uh, uh, people will be there, and they'll give you this little, uh, this little band that says vision. On the other side, it says PFH, 
And on the inside, it says Romans 12 and 2, which talks about uh, renewing our mind. And so I want to give this to you so you can wear it, especially for this month, uh, maybe for the entire year. And every time you look down at that, you remember the one word vision for the uh, one word for the Father's house is vision. That's what we want to work on this year is, 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 the, is the vision. You see, the mission of the Father's house, why we exist, it's there in your notes, say it with me, is leading people, lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's say it again. Leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. That's our mission. That's what the Lord has asked us to do. That's what he's asked every church to do. Now, the vision is how we're going to accomplish the mission. And here's how we're going to do it. We're going to love God, help people, and build the kingdom. Let's say it again. Love God, help people, build the kingdom. So this year at the Father's house, when we look at what we're getting ready to plan, what we're getting ready to do, we simply say, well, is it going to help us to reach the vision? The vision is we're going to love God. Is this thing going to help us love God? Is it going to help us to help people? Is it going to help us to build the kingdom of God? So then I find a scripture verse. And I'm going to share it, share it to you in two translations. Up on the screen will be from the Passion. Where there, when there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. If you don't have a vision, you're just going to wander. But when you follow the revelation of the word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. In your notes, it says, where there's no vision, the people get out of control. But whoever obeys instruction is happy. So here's your next step for next week. I want you to come back next week with your one word. What is your one word? Some of you in the last service, people said, wow, just immediately the Lord gave me the one word, what, what it is. I, I, I know, I knew that. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Get along with God and say, God, what's the one word? that you want me to focus on for 2020. And then ask God to specifically show you what that is for this season of your life. So here's some things, here's some ways you can do that practically. Ask yourself, what do I wish that I had more of, that I'll have more of in 2020? What do I wish that I'll have more of in 2020? Or what do I wish that I would have less of? in 2020. Here's another way to ask and help yourself. What one word or idea do I want to dominate my thoughts this year? What one word or idea do I want to dominate my thoughts this year? And then here's another way. What one word do I want to characterize 2020? What one word do I want to characterize 2020? Or you can look at it this. What one word do I need to work on for 2020? Now, don't overthink it. You know, some of you try to make it harder than it is. Uh, people say, well, what's your one word? My one word for 2020 is the word endurance. Endurance. And uh, here's my definition of endurance. It's the ability or strength to continue or last, to finish, especially despite fatigue, stress, or lack of big results. I look back over my life, and I had about 20 different words that I thought, because in, in just in praying, and I'd write this down, and I'd write that, but what is, it, what is the one thing I really need to focus on me this year? And I thought, well, you know, I need to be, I need to be a completer. Things I start, I need to complete. I, I need to be a finisher. Uh, and, and so I thought, well, wh what's, what's the word? And 
So I felt the word is, the word is endurance. I need the ability to, whatever I start, to be able to endure and see that to the end. And so then I began looking in the, in the, in the, in the Bible for a verse. You can put in whatever one word is that, and, and, you can, uh, and, the, and the different scriptures that come up. So the scripture that came up for me is James 1 and 4. And then, as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing or nothing lacking. Wow. I'm reading that verse every, every day of 2020 because I'm going to endure. The things I start, I'm going to finish. It's not going to be start and stop. It's not going to be on a right eating program and get off. It's not going to be on starting this and not doing that. It's going to be, I'm going to be consistent in the things that are important that's going to help me make a difference. Do you hear what I'm saying? You, you, you can't do everything, but you need, to, you need to focus on that one word, that one word, because that one word is going to help you to make a difference. At the end of your life, at the end of your life, when it's all over and you stand before God, he's going to evaluate you on what you did with your life. Did you fulfill the purpose that he had for you? Did you make a difference? And you can't look around and say, well, I did more than they did, or I did more. He's, he's going to ask us, did you do what I wanted you to do? Did you make a difference? Because one act can change a life. One thing you do can change somebody's life. So you say, well, you know, but I was, I was just too busy, Lord. And I had too many goals, and it was too hard to make a difference. Or I was preoccupied with having fun. I was preparing for retirement. To all those excuses, he's going to simply say this. Sorry, wrong answer. I created you, and I saved you, and I called you, and I commanded you to live for a higher purpose than yourself. What part of that did you not understand? You say, well, Terry, I just, I just, you know, I, I look over and I see God may make a difference in that person's life and make a difference in their life, but you don't know what a loser I am. You don't know all the, you don't know what a misfit that I am. Oh, yeah? Let me, let me just give you a little litany here of people that God used to make a big difference. Abraham was old. Jacob was insecure. Leah was unattractive. Joseph was abused. Moses had a trouble speaking. Gideon was poor. Samson was full of lust. Rahab was a lap dancer. David had an affair and family problems. Elijah was suicidal. Jeremiah was depressed. Jonah was rebellious. Naomi was a widow. Peter was impulsive and hot-tempered. Martha worried a lot. The Samaritan woman had several failed marriages. Zacchaeus was very unpopular. Thomas had doubts. Paul had eye problems. Timothy was timid. Yet in spite of all of those excuses, God used each one of them to make a difference. And he'll use you if we stop making excuses and we say today, this is going to be a different day. I am going to take myself off the throne. I'm going to put God there. I'm going to focus on the one word. One word. Now, it's, it's critical that you find that one word and bring it with you next week. Because everything else I do after that is going to build on that one word. 
So I'm just, I'm, I'm going to help us, okay? I'm going to help us. There's, there's lots of help on the internet. You can go, you can put in one word for 2020, and you'll get all these different suggestions. You'll get different ways of coming about that. But start, first of all, praying. God, what's the one word that you have for this season of my life? Let's pray. Father God, we come to you, and we thank you that as we sang that song earlier, you kicked down the wall. You move the walls, whatever you have to do to get to us, because you created us to make a difference. But to make a difference, there has to be a difference in our life to start with. 2020 is going to be the year of not just vision, but the year of speaking the vision. We're going to speak the one word. We're going to deal with the one word to become who you want us to be. As you continue to pray and process where you are with the Lord, I want to give an invite to someone that might be here today and you've never invited Christ into your heart and into your life. Or maybe years ago you started serving him, but you've wandered away from him. And today you say, you know what? I need a fresh start, a, a new beginning. I want a, a do-over uh, with, with the Lord. And I want to pray with you. I want to I lead you in a prayer. I can give you the words, but you have to surrender the heart. That'll change your life. And some of you right now, the Holy Spirit is drawing you like a magnet. And, you, and, you, and you're, you're sensing, you know what? I'm, I'm lost. I need Jesus. I've never invited him into my heart and into my life. I know about him. I've gone to church. But I've never made the decision of inviting him into my life. So if that's you today, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you feel bad. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you in a prayer today that will be a revolutionary prayer that will begin a change in your life that can change not only your past and forgive you of your past, give you a hope for today and a future that's worthwhile with the Lord. So if that's you and you'd say, Terry, I need that prayer today. I need to make that decision for the Lord. Would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me today and say, that's me, that's me. I need that today. I need to pray that prayer. I need to invite him. Thank you. Others today, just lift your hand and say, that's me. Holy Spirit is drawing you. You don't have to understand it all today. You, you, I don't know that we'll ever understand it all. Just say, I know he's calling me. I know he's drawing me, and I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to say yes. Thank you. Thank you. Others today that would join with those, and some of you that are watching online, you'd say yes to Jesus today. Yes. Yes to Jesus. The greatest decision that you'll ever make in your life. The greatest, the greatest decision in your life. Let me lead you in a prayer. We've all prayed this prayer uh, one time or another. And this is a prayer that we never should have to pray alone. I can give you the words, but you have to surrender the heart. Pray this prayer with me today, Father God. Thank you today for dying for my sins and giving me a fresh start. I repent of my sins and I invite you into my life. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are Lord and that God raised you from the dead. I ask you to fill me with your spirit as best as I know how. I want to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps will be in your relationship with Christ 
All you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.